0: Hello, everyone. My name is Jill, and you are listening to Astralobies on CHMR FM. Astralobies is a radio show and a podcast where I astrologize for the buys, And by buys I mean you, my beautiful friends listening from near and far. From my perspective, astrology is a language. It's a language that can teach us how to live our lives with more compassion, care, and understanding for ourselves, our loved ones, and the world around us. I cannot believe that it has been six months of producing this show. It's surreal still to me. It still doesn't feel like real life. Every time I come into the studio, I feel like I'm in some sort of movie that isn't my real life, and I'm like temporarily transported to a magical universe. ver- Wow, words are going really well, and we're 50 seconds in. So far at Astrolabies, if this is your first tune- Jeez Louise. If this is your first time tuning in, we have covered the planets in astrology. We've talked about the sun, the moon, Venus, Mercury, and Mars. We also did an episode that was like breaking down the basics of astrology as like concepts and your birth chart. If you're tuning in for the first time and are like, man, I'd love to hear some more of Jill talking. That's me. I'm Jill. Oh, I said that already. You can look up um, the episodes wherever you get your podcast. Just search for A-S-T-R-O-L-O-B-Y-S radio, literally anywhere. So this week at Astrolabies, I have zero time to waste mainly because I have 3,000 words written on the subject at hand. So in honor of the beginning of Aquarius season, we are finally, finally, diving in to the topic that you guys are kind of surprised I didn't start with. And the topic that you guys have been waiting for all along. We're going to start covering the signs, the zodiac signs, 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 (laughs) signs. So there are 12 signs in the zodiac, and it's kind of difficult to compile all of them into one episode. And then I was thinking, I could do an episode on each of the signs, but the lovely Chris Brennan at the Astrology Podcast is already doing that, and quite honestly, he is incredible and great, and why would I copy what he is doing? So instead of doing one sign an episode, we're going to be grouping the signs by elements. So. Today's episode is all about the air signs, which is Gemini, Aquarius, and Libra. So, without further ado, because I have literally zero time to waste, I have too many words, which is very appropriate for the air signs, I welcome you to the eighth episode of Astrolabize, the air signs. Or I could call it on air, which I am right now, because I am on the radio. Please welcome to Astrolabize, woo! Before I can really dig into the nitty gritty of the three signs I wanna cover today, which again are Libra, Aquarius, and Gemini, I think we have to start with a very basic question. What is a zodiac sign anyways? Well, the signs have become one of the most popular or commonly known part of astrology, especially in the media. A lot of pop culture knowledge of astrology comes around the stereotyping of the 12 signs of the zodiac. Through the sun sign horoscopes, now I've talked at length about the way that sun sign horoscopes reduce astrology down to just these twelve stereotypes, um, but I specifically didn't begin with the signs because I wanted to show you guys right off the bat that astrology is so much more than what you think it is. It goes beyond the the few characteristics about the twelve zodiac signs. It goes beyond like the like the um, categorization and, like, reduction of stereotypes that a lot of people think. And so, beginning with the planets kind of got me to introduce you to the characters, so to speak. Throughout this podcast, I've been really leaning on Chani Nicholas's book called You Were Born For This. The reason why I keep coming back to her is because she describes these complexities in such an accessible and easy-to-understand way. And I mean, I could try to reinvent the wheel, but if the wheel is already great and existing and turning just perfectly, why would I try to mess it up? <laughs> As you all know, there are all these planets up in the sky. They're always up there. And we're, we're here on this one, planet Earth. Unless you're an astronaut, but I highly doubt that any of my listeners are currently in space. Actually, my analytics on anchor tell me what planet everyone is on, and I can confirm that 100% of you are in fact on the planet Earth. Surprise. All of the planets that are currently floating through the space were in a particular zodiac sign when you were born. Your birth chart is a record of the exact location of the planets at the moment of your birth. Channing calls the planets, and as I have said on previous episodes, the who. She says in her book, quote, planets are like different characters in the play of our lives. Some seem like they are out to get us, foiling our every plot, while others are supporting our storyline. For example, Saturn and Mars are generally going to test us, or others, before they grant us their gifts. On the other hand, Jupiter and Venus may give us love and luck upfront without asking for much in return. Each planet, just like each character in a play, is necessary. Too much of anyone is overwhelming, and we need everyone to tell the full story. As a recovering theater kid, <laughs> this explanation really, really helped me put into perspective what a birth chart really is. Pop Astrology focuses mainly on the Sun sign and sometimes on the big three. But as Chani said, too much of anyone is overwhelming and we need everyone to tell the full story. So when you read your horoscope about your Sun sign, please know that you're only reading about one character in the cast and thus you're only getting like a fraction of the narrative. So this is like mainly why I started with like telling you about the planets instead of telling you about the signs. Because once you can understand the planets, it actually becomes way easier to like learn about the signs and how they shape a birth chart. Okay, so now that I have gotten my giant rant out of the way, let's dig into the question I asked many moons ago. (laughs) What is a zodiac sign anyways? So Cheney calls the signs the the how. The sign that a particular planet is in tells us how a planet is going to go about doing its job. She says, quote, each sign has its own way of functioning, its own flair, its own signature style. Each planet in your chart has to function in the style of the sign that it's in. For example, Mars, planet of courage, drive, and desire, when in Aries is action-oriented and extra fast. In Virgo, it is aggressively thorough. In Pisces, it is a seeker of great escapes and spiritual sustenance. Mars has a job to do, but how it does varies by sign." End quote. So as you can see from this quote, depending on the sign that a particular planet is in, it is going to go about doing its job in very different ways. So that's why the signs are the how and the planets are the who. And before astrology and astronomy became two distinct fields of study, and yes, if you're new here, you may be surprised to hear that astrology and astronomy were once the same thing for eons until the discovery of that we live in a heliocentric universe caused everyone to start shading astrologers. Anyways. The 12 zodiac signs are constellations that are up in the sky that were once used to map the night sky. In ancient times, astrologers or astronomers, they were basically the same thing, would track the movements of the planets visible to the naked eye, and using the zodiac wheel, which are constellations, to track the planetary movements over time. So you can think of the zodiac sign as like a map of the stars that helped um, early astronomers and astrologers, early planet gazers, (laughs) you could say, um, keep track of where things are. And, you know, after thousands and thousands and thousands of years of studying these constellations and, you know, what happens on Earth when these planets shift into different signs, we come up with like all of these qualities and significations of these 12 zodiac signs. And so some of these signs have some things in common, and some of them have literally nothing in common and they're at odds with each other. But what's really cool about the zodiac is that it is filled with patterns. And I'm going to talk more about those patterns later on in the episode, but I just wanted to like put that out there to, you know, get your gears turning, so to speak. Eventually, over time, especially through media reproduction, astrology became reduced to just sun sign horoscopes, which translated to an understanding amongst the masses that astrology is just the stereotypes of the 12 zodiac signs and nothing more. That's why people call their placement that their sun is in their quote unquote sign. And when people ask me what my sign is, which you know I get a lot because I'm an astrologer and when you say, hi, I'm an astrologer, they say, oh, what's your sign? Um, I usually freeze. And that's because yes, I'm a Libra sun, but I'm also a Scorpio, rising, and I'm an Aries moon and I'm a Venus and Virgo and I've got Mars and Capricorn. And so basically what I'm just trying to say is that you can feel like one zodiac sign one day and feel more like a different zodiac sign another, and that doesn't mean that like the two of them cancel each other out. It just means that um, you're like tuning into a different part of yourself on that particular day. Humans are multifaceted. Faceted. Faceted. <laughs> Humans are multifaceted, and astrology reflects the complexities and details of living life on Earth. Do you have a little spare time? Do you feel like you're missing something from your program? Are you looking to be more involved on campus or in your community? The Student Volunteer Bureau can help. For over 35 years, the SVB has been helping students find volunteer placements, get more involved on campus, and provided students with professional development opportunities. Making most of your time at Memorial begins at the SVB. For more information, drop by UC 3011, email sbb at or visit our website at www.mun.ca slash volunteer. Come check us out and see how you can make a difference today. Radio Land. It's Evelyn Jess, and you're listening to CHMR 93.5 FM in St. John's, Newfoundland Labrador. And for you cyberspacers, stream us online at chmr.ca. All the best from Evelyn Jess. Right, so I have wasted however long of your time, probably the first 10 minutes of this pub, uh, radio, <laughs> I've probably wasted the first 10 minutes babbling on and you might be like, Jill, can we please dive into the signs? I'm like, I'm losing it here. Okay, people, I will move on. <laughs> so as some of you may know, or may not know, there are four elements in this world. And those four elements are fire, water, earth and air. Out of the 12 Zodiac signs, there are three signs that belong to each of these four elements. So the fire signs are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. The water signs are Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. And the earth signs are Capricorn, Taurus, and Virgo. And last, but most certainly not least, because they are the subject of this here episode, the air signs are Libra, Aquarius, and Gemini. So while each sign in the Zodiac is unique in its own right, The four elements help us understand the ways in which these signs are similar. A lot can be understood about a sign by looking at its element and modality. So what does the element of air represent? Well, air signs, they're social, they're mental, and they're communicative. Air is like a really necessary part of human life, but it's difficult to physically grasp. Similarly, thoughts are a necessary function to the human brain, but they're not things that can be physically grasped, like, unless you write it down somewhere. Channy says that the qualities of air signs are, quote, intellectual, focused on ideas and facts, and a strong communicator, end quote. When planets are in the same element, but different signs, so like Venus in Aquarius, the moon in Libra, and Mars in Gemini, they make what is called a trine to one another. Because two planets are coming from the same element, this is a harmonious aspect, because the planets can physically see where the other one is coming from. It's like they have like similar agendas, so to speak. And if you're a mathematically inclined person, which for the record, I am absolutely not, but alas, I have picked a passion that is literal planet math. You may find it fun to know that a trine is a 100, 180 degree angle, which makes an equilateral triangle. Soleil. <laughs> So while I was researching this episode, I listened to an episode of the Astrology Podcast by Kira Taborn. In the episode, Colin, who is also known as at Cosmos online, said that they associate the element of air with laughter. And I really, really loved this association. And it was something that I hadn't really thought about before. Because laughter has a way of just like filling the air in our lungs or taking our breath away. It also fills the air in a room with lightness and joy but also sometimes has a way of cutting through silence. And it also has a way of bringing people together in times of difficulty and ostracizing people, in the same way that words can bring people together and ostracize people. When you're laughing with other people, you know, it's a joyous, harmonious, you know, fun ramble. But when you're laughing at someone, you know, someone else is getting hurt and they are the butt of the joke. I was in a a year-ahead forecast this time last week. It was the Ascendant Assembly's year-ahead forecast with Cam Allen. He was talking about honoring the tongue as a sword. And I thought that was a really interesting image. Because we talked about this a little bit with Georgia last week, that Gemini, especially, words can cut. They can cut like a knife, and they can be a weapon, right? Words can be weaponized against us. I've already told you about Channing Nicholas's book, which, you know, I've referenced a lot already in the podcast, but I wanted to tell you about the book that I'm going to be leaning very heavily on for this episode called Astrology for Yourself by Demetra George and Douglas Bloke. Now, this book was published in the 80s, so it's filled with imperfections and things that I would never agree with these days, um, but it's also filled with things that I know Demetra herself would not agree with these days, so I take it all in stride nevertheless it is a fabulous book that's like kind of like a workbook that has really really helped me find the language that i'm trying to use with you guys so this is a quote that she that they had on air signs in their book quote individuals with an emphasis on air often express themselves by sharing and communicating their ideas to others air seeks to make social and intellectual connections Too much air produces the the up-in-the-air, or airhead individual, who cannot ground themselves long enough to apply any of their marvelous ideas. These people often appear scattered, inconsistent, and indecisive. Too little air, on the other hand, can lead to a lack of perspective and objectivity in life. Difficulties in learning and poor communication skills may also be results of a deficiency in this element. Now, I love this quote. However, I really also want to illustrate when we're talking about the zodiac signs, there is always going to be positive and negatives because we all have the things that we're wonderful at and we all have our flaws. And because astrology is a reflection of our experience of life on Earth, the signs too are going to have the things that they are incredible at and they're going to have things that, you know, they're not so incredible at. Anywho, so I just wanted to say... If I'm saying something about a particular sign and it happens to be a sign that you hold near and dear, maybe it's your sun sign, maybe it's another placement in your chart, or maybe it's like your crush's sign, please know that I'm not trying to make value judgments about you specifically. I think astrology, a lot of people really think that astrology is trying to like tell people how they are and like it is. Um, I'm just stating the facts, and whatever you relate to is what you relate to, and whatever you are like, ah, I don't like that, you can just leave and like throw away to the wayside. With that little rant, I wanted to continue on with some um, words that Douglas and Demetra put forward as skillful and unskillful applications of the element of air. And this is like a very general list of terms, um, but I just kind of wanted to give you guys like almost a word bank of sorts to really get the ball rolling. Words that are associated with the skillful applications of the element of air are mental, intellectual, logical, abstract, conceptual, theoretical, communicative, social, friendly, curious, inquisitive, objective, impartial, unbiased, fair, tolerant, clever, witty, and versatile. As a Libra sun, I like to think that I am pretty clever, witty, and versatile. But I'm just tooting my own horn here. Anyways, moving on to the unskillful applications of air. Spacey, ungrounded, intangible, ethereal, over-intellectual, wordy, nosy, gossiping, detached, aloof, unfeeling, inconsistent, flighty, nervous, indecisive, and superficial. Now, again, this is not to say that all the air signs are flighty, indecisive, and superficial, but I mean, I know that when I'm not feeling like grounded in myself, I feel very spacey and I can be very wordy and don't get me wrong, I can be nosy. All of these words are so subjective and do not necessarily explain your experience if you have planets and air signs. I'm just trying to give you this as like a little word bank um, so you have something to go home with. We are about to dive right in to the sign of Libra. Now, you might be saying, Jill, you're so self involved for starting with your own sun sign. And to that I say, I am not. I'm a Libra. <laughs> No, but for real though, there is a very important reason why I'm beginning with Libra, and it's not because of my close personal relationship to the sign. And also, if you are new here, I thought I was a Scorpio sun my whole life. When I found out I was a Libra, my whole world caved in, but it also made a lot of sense. Just go listen to this zero, zero-th episode of this show. So I told you earlier about how the 12 zodiac signs each have an element that corresponds to it. Well, that's only one piece of the zodiacal puzzle. Yes, I'm sorry. It's a big, soupy puzzle that is takes a long time to put together. But once the puzzle comes together, the image is very clear and easy to understand. So, in addition to elements, there is also something called modalities. So, each sign has an element and a modality that it corresponds to. And you can think of modalities as different types of energy that each sign radiates. There are cardinal signs, fixed signs, and mutable signs. And while this may sound very confusing at first, wrapping your head around the modalities and the elements is a really key way of understanding the zodiac signs beyond the basic stereotypes that are commonly reported in pop astrology spaces. I will explain each modality as it relates to the sign that I'm covering so that I don't confuse you guys all. So let's start with Libra. Libra is a cardinal air sign cardinal signs occur at the beginning of new seasons. When the sun moves into the sign of Libra, it signals the fall equinox, aka the first day of fall. And as such, cardinal signs are said to initiate. Libra initiates the season of fall, Capricorn initiates the season of winter, Aries initiates spring, and Cancer initiates summer. And if you were wondering, those are the four (laughs) cardinal signs. When the sun is in Libra, it is falling away from the earth. The leaves are falling, the days are getting shorter and shorter. And as a cardinal air sign, Libra, according to Demetra George and Douglas Bloke, quote, initiates mental and social action. I have compiled a quick list of facts that are from the book Ancient Astrology by Demetra George and the book Astrology for Yourself by Demetra George and Douglas Bloke. So Libra is symbolized by the scales, Um, and fun fact, Libra is the only inanimate sign of the entire zodiac, which is really interesting, and I feel like I can make a whole episode on that alone, but I don't have time. The planet that rules the sign of Libra is Venus, the planet of love and relationships and connection and beauty and pleasure, all that jazz. And Saturn is what we call exalted when it's in Libra. So like I said a couple minutes ago, the beginning of Libra season marks the falling away of the sun. And (laughs) that is why the sun, if you have the sun in Libra, like I do, you will find that your sun is in fall. And then the other planet that does not like to be in the sign of Libra is Mars, which I talked a little bit about last time. Also, fun little tidbit, there are body parts that are attributed to each of the signs. This is up for debate by a lot of people, but this is from Ancient Astrology by Demetra George. The body parts that are attributed to Libra are the hips, your booty, your groin, your colon, your hind parts, and your bladder. Demetra also gives us an image for each of the signs, and the image that she gives us for Libra is a rainbow, and I think that's so, so beautiful. Um, And it's not something I would like immediately think of because rainbows are a very um, mercurial thing as of, of mercury, but there is such a, like a beauty and a symmetry and a balance to a rainbow. Like rainbows are this like really beautiful thing that happens after a storm or after rain. Um, And I think that that really beautifully represents the duality of the sign of Libra and how the sign um, is said to balance and, you know, equalize things. And the key word for Libra is, I relate. Libra relates to things. We're really good at that, relating. (laughs) And a key phrase, also offered by uh, Demetra and Douglas Bloke from Astrology for Yourself, is, quote, my need to cooperate with others and create balance and harmony in my life. I do have a need to cooperate with others. I am always the mediator in group projects. I am always the person trying to make sure everyone's getting along. I know I said last week that I love a spirited debate. It's really true, but I also um, really care about other people's feelings and that everybody's feeling good and happy and kind. Sometimes so much so that I don't let, I forget to fill my own class. And that is a downside of an air sign. <laughs> so, the other thing that I wanted to reference for you guys, and I know I've been just like giving you research and not like synthesizing my own information. But I think it's because I've done a lot of that in the last couple of episodes. So Alice barkley Cat, who has a phenomenal blog about astrology that's literally called Alice um, writes these columns on not being a stereotypical fill-in-the-blank sign. So I just pulled up um, their articles on not being a stereotypical Libra, and I wanted to like give you a few quotes from that. That's a lie. It's not a few quotes. It's actually a full dramatic reading. Once a theater kid, always a theater kid. Ace's work is furiously feminist and radical and post-colonial. They are the author of Post-Colonial Astrology, which is a book I really need to read. They say that a lot of stereotypes about Libra have to do with beauty. And this is so freaking true. Like, um, one of the symbols of Venus is the mirror. And I think that, you know, uh, a lot of people think that Libras are completely obsessed with beauty. And don't get me wrong. I love it when things look pretty. Um, but I think that beauty is a really like weird construct, that is construct, that is so subjective to the individual and like the time in which they're alive, that it's kind of like a little bit of a misogynistic stereotype. And Ace reiterates this idea. They say, quote, "Libra stereotypes are hard. There are a lot of stereotypes that have to do with beauty. There's this idea that a good Libra, the right kind of Libra, is someone who sits around and does nothing but look pretty. And that's pretty much it. There is very little that defines a Libra through stereotypes other than that. Libras are supposed to be good, but they're also a little bad, too. They can be quiet or loud. They're supposedly to endless please other people but have no desires or ambitions of their own. Libras are stereotyped in a very aggressive way. They're expected to be the thing that you need in that very moment, and nothing further. The idea that Libras are stereotyped to be people-pleasers, I think, is a misnomer. Libras are not stereotyped as people-pleasers. Libras are stereotyped as pleasers of men. They are thought to be brilliant, but not too brilliant. To be demure, but not too demure. To be rational, but not too rational. And to always be pretty. But what if you're a Libra who doesn't want to please men? There's a lot of debate about whether Scorpio or Capricorn is the most goth sign. And i disagree with the conflict and think that this title belongs firmly to the hands of libra libra is the fall equinox the sign where the sun falls libra is able to humiliate almost anyone when you're not a stereotypical libra you're not rational and perfectly toned and smart but not enough to overshadow a larger ego and you're not perfectly balanced thing that never tries to upset the balance of people who are sensitive without wanting to admit that they are sensitive when you're not a stereotypical Libra, you're not built to mother the sensitivities of other people. You're not made to be endlessly attentive, but never clingy. You're not a stereotypical Libra because the stereotype of Libra is not an experience that any real human being lives. The stereotype of Libra tells you that you mimic other people, but you do not mimic, you mock. Libra stereotypes tell you that you can never make up your own mind about anything but you do not live with half a mind. Your doubt is not half-hearted or whimsical. Your doubt is your strength. It shows you what you do not call your own. The stereotype of Libra tells you that you avoid conflict, but I have met Libras who fight for themselves, for their communities, and for their friends. When Libras fight, they commit to the war. They fight without egos, as if they care little about whether or not they win a single battle and more about the outcome that they know is coming. The stereotype of Libra tells you that you care too much about what other people think of you. But Libras don't really care. They are aware, but they do not really care. When you're not a stereotypical Libra, you're an angry Libra. You're a Libra who gives a crap about something. The stereotype of Libra tells you that you are insecure and maybe there are moments in your life when you believe that this can be true. But isn't everyone in the world insecure about something? We don't define other placements through their insecurities the way we do Libras. When you're not a stereotypical Libra, you're not defined by insecurity. You're not defined by doubt, and you're not defined by relationships. That's the problem with how we stereotype Libras. It's the only astrological sign we tend to define through relationships to other people more than the experience of self. And as a Libra, your experience of self has to do with your belief that the self is malleable and Libras mold their own selves, being malleable. They are sorcerers who become new versions of themselves through sheer force of will. They understand that you must pretend to be yourself until you fully believe that you are who you say you are. This is what makes Libras powerful, because they are people who understand that they are capable of becoming exactly who they want to be. The stereotype of Libra tells you that you are half a person, waiting for your other half, as a half-hearted person who needs to be swept off their feet by someone more powerful to learn that love is true, and as a half-witted person who needs to be told to what to think and what to believe. But does anyone live like that? Not likely. End quote. Ooh, I love it. Thank you for letting me read that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful article by Ace uh, to you. Because, like, there is so much that I could try to conjure up on Libras, but it's all been said and it's all been written. And I mean this for all of the signs. And so I'm going to read this article for all of the signs. There's one for all 12 of them, Uh, mainly because I like doing a dramatic reading of some work that isn't my own. And also because this is just so beautiful, Ace gorgeously takes the stereotypes that are out there and challenges them. And when I read this, I completely reoriented my perception of my sun sign. When I first read the thing that you can tell yourself who you are enough time so that you believe it and you become that, I felt so seen. Okay, so that's my little Libra rant for you. Thank you for indulging me. And we're almost out of time, so I have to speed through the other two signs, which I knew was gonna happen to me and very silly on my part. So we are going to take a very quick break and then we're gonna dive into the signs, Aquarius and Gemini. The Period Priority Project is a local initiative aimed at fighting period poverty by making all types of menstrual products accessible to everyone who needs them. You can help by sending donations of pads and tampons or monetary donations. To make a donation, contact Leisha Tori at T-O-O-R-Y-L-E-I-S-H-A at gmail.com. Hey, this is Kelly Loader and you're listening to CHMR 93.5 FM. Right, folks, welcome back to Astrolabies. We are about to dive right in to the sign Aquarius. Aquarius is the zodiac season that is now upon us. Aquarius is a fixed air sign. And when the sun is in the sign of Aquarius, the sun is like as far away as it gets from the earth. If you live in the Northern hemisphere, at least. Aquarius season is when we are in the dead of winter. It is cold. It is fixed. It is not going anywhere. The days are growing longer, but so slowly that you hardly notice. And it just feels like it's always nighttime. The other fixed signs in the Zodiac are Taurus, Leo and Scorpio. And when it's Taurus season, it is the dead of spring. Things are blooming. Things are pretty. It's spring. When it's Leo season, it is the hot heat of summer. The air has no wind in it. It is humid. People have heat stroke. It's me. I'm people. It's a whole thing. In Scorpio season, we are in the middle of fall all the leaves are falling around the wind is blowing the weather is changing fixed signs stabilize and according to george and bloke from astrology for yourself aquarius stabilizes mental and social security So some quick facts about Aquarius. The symbol of this sign is the water bearer. And also, Aquarius is a sign of the reformer. Hi, Saturn. So Saturn rules the sign of Aquarius, and Saturn is a planet, we haven't gotten there yet, but Saturn is a planet of constriction, limitation, boundaries, structures, and system. The word no and Saturn are BFFs. (laughs) And the sun, just like Libra, also doesn't like to be in the sign of Aquarius. And like I said before, that makes logical sense for the fact that in the Northern Hemisphere, when the sun is in Aquarius, it is physically as far away from the earth as it gets all year long. Pretty cool, right? Body parts that are attributed to Aquarius are the lower legs, the shins, the legs in general, and the sinews, which I literally had to Google for this episode. And in case you were wondering, cause I had no idea. Sinews, sinews, I'm definitely saying that wrong. I was a gender studies major, don't be mad at me. Sinews are the things that connect muscle to bone, specifically the bottom of your legs. I could be wrong on that, but that is what a quick Google told me. There's med students or nurses listening. Or I don't know, chiropractors, tell me otherwise. (laughs) So the image that Demetra George gives for the sign of air is a flash of lightning. And I think that is so, so, so right. And the key word for Aquarius is I'm different. And the phrase for Aquarius is quote, my need to be innovative, original, and to be an agent of change. And yes, I said innovative and not innovative. I don't know. Words are weird. So Aquarius is not a planet that enjoys sticking to the status quo. Because it's ruled by Saturn, Aquarius is acutely aware of the different systems and structures of information, ideology, and identity that have caused the world that we live in to be so unjust. It's a transpersonal sign, which means it's very collective oriented. And this isn't to say that Aquarius folks don't have like a sense of self. It just means that, like, the sign of Aquarius really um, has the ability to see the wider, more objective truth to something. Whereas, like, a sign like Gemini might get more specific on, like, the, the tidbits of information, if that makes any sense. Like, Aquarius is, like, the big network. And then Gemini is, like, the specific pieces of information that make that network. Does that make any sense? Probably not. Okay, wait, I might have a better metaphor now. Imagine that Aquarius is like the social media platform as a whole. So like Aquarius is the entirety of TikTok. And then Gemini are the individual videos that are on TikTok. And then Libra is like the trends and sounds that connect different videos to each other and the hashtags. That might be a more illustrative, um... Example for you. Or maybe not. And as a reformer, Aquarius likes to reimagine how we can reform systems of information and ideas into more practical and useful ways. According to Cheney Nicholas, as an air sign, quote, "Aquarius articulates its well-developed ideas in a self-assured way. And as a fixed sign, Aquarius harnesses the power of its intellect. I love Aquariuses. Aquariuses? Aquarii? Aquarii? Uh, whatever. I think that y'all are just brilliant people who have this outlook on life that is so different in the most beautiful, much needed way. Now let's move on to Ace's article on not being a stereotypical Aquarius. Um, I'm going to do what I did with Libra, which is just dramatically read through the whole thing and just kind of like leave that with you guys as like a little reflection piece. Um, Because again, I could say so much on Aquarius, but I'm running out of time. So might as well find something that someone else has said. And also because I know that some of y'all might think that I'm like some sort of master at this, but the reality is, is that I'm very much still an apprentice. I'm still a student and I am still learning. So I don't want to stand up here and like claim to know everything when that is not the case. So I want to give you guys these really awesome resources so that you guys can also go and start your own learning uh, rather than just like standing up here and giving you some like half-truth that is kind of just BS, you know? Anyways, back to the article. Ace says, quote, When we think about the stereotypical Aquarius, someone who is frighteningly cool, someone who seems to glide over the messy bits of life because they're interested only in the rational and floaty concept that seems to wrap around the big pieces of us... We tend to forget that Aquarius is just as confused about the practice of living life as the rest of us. There's one particular stereotype about Aquarius, which is the stereotype that Aquariuses are random, that I don't actually think most Aquarius suns will relate to. Aquarius suns are not random. Aquarius suns deal with the infinity of the future. Aquarius sun is a person who deals with rigidity because they fear feeling frighteningly out of control. The thing about having sun in detriment is that the sun doesn't know how to be. Aquarius suns are concerned with the future because they think of it as a huge blank expanse of nothing that nobody can possibly predict or control. Aquarius suns live in an uncertain identity and in an uncertain timeline. They don't even really believe in time itself, even as they try to structure it, planning endlessly with so many calendars. They have a moment to themselves and remember that we're just living on a rock floating through space. Aquarius suns are used to staying alive in a godless world. There are always certain things, often small and nitpicky things, that an Aquarius sun is rigid about. A lot of the behaviors that we commonly associate with Virgo, worrying over whether someone has contributed evenly to the food bill or splitting hairs over the RSVP to an event, are more often seen in Aquarius. This is because the sun in Aquarius is a sun that is an alienation. A sun that feels like it must anticipate little control over the place where it resides. If you don't feel like a stereotypical, colorful, hair-cool, attuned, and smart Aquarius who can take any social situation and thrive, you might not be alone. That Aquarius stereotype of being a person hanging out alongside of at the wall of every party, watching everyone else dance and have fun that's an image of someone who lives with social anxiety and chooses to show up anyways. It's the image of a person who fears participation, yearns for it, and puts them in the same room because they know that they won't be the only person who feels like a wallflower. It's someone who has to trust that they will run into people who work to understand who they are. Intensity is not often associated with an Aquarius because to be intense, you have to care an embarrassing amount Stereotypical Aquariuses, for some reason, are not supposed to care, but the Sun is in detriment? A Sun that is trying to figure out becoming without giving a crap about what they end up being. That is a Sun that cares. Identity is not cultivated through righteousness. Identity is cultivated through empathy. That's something an Aquarius knows very well. They worry over whether they care too much, whether they care too little. However, Aquarius Suns are not self-righteous. There's a stereotype with Aquarius that has nothing to do with intellectual moralizing. However, Aquarius sons are not concerned with moralizing. They're concerned with the ecstasy of communal experience. If you're not a stereotypical Aquarius, you might care an embarrassing amount. You might care about the little things in life, and you might care about the big narratives all at once. You might care about the people that you know and worry over the people you have yet to know you might care about the person you've yet to meet in person that but you've been texting for a few weeks despite all of your friends' urges not to care so much. If you're not a stereotypical Aquarius, you might be confused about identity, but you might also know with sureness that your identity will only reveal itself through care. Aquarius cares because they're trying to do something very tricky. They're trying to believe in their own being without believing in neither identity nor community, but only the empathy that lives in between. There is a severity to Aquarius that people sometimes neglect. If you're not a stereotypical Aquarius, you might also find yourself in moments where you want to cry because nothing is turning out as expected and you're left wondering where your desperate need for control comes from. That's okay. The future is an unwritten thing. It's a thing that will always be blank. The future is where potential lives. And that potential is found when you remember that there are others who care about your future just as much as you worry about ours if you're not a stereotypical aquarius you might care endlessly to the point where it becomes embarrassing or confusing you might squawk when showing affection and you might wave your hands around there's a certain romanticization of the aquarius if you're an aquarius detriment son the thinking goes you must be so cool so avant-garde and so performative in yourself that you must become your performance But Aquariuses are just people who do not know who they will be. They're people who deal with the terror of potential. They're people who are sometimes incredible leaders and sometimes incredible crybabies. And sometimes just people who are afraid they will, again, be excluded from places where they feel themselves. End quote. Ugh. This series is just so, so beautiful, and I'm so grateful that I get to just, like, read it for you guys poetically. Overall, Aquarius is y'all are such a misunderstood sign. All signs are very misunderstood in very different ways, but I think Aquarius gets put on a pedestal that can be sometimes a little bit unnerving to Aquarius sons especially. So yeah, I really hope that these words from Ace and the words from Chani and Demetra and, um, and all that jazz are helpful to you. So... Now we're done with Aquariuses, and I'm so sorry to keep you guys waiting, Geminis, because I know that you guys are probably like the most antsy of the bunch. Um, We're gonna move on to Gemini! There's such a liveliness to the planet Gemini. And I'm not saying that Gemini suns are like lively individuals all the time, but Gemini season happens in between spring and summer. And there's like a very big buzz that kind of comes about during Gemini season. Kids are getting out of school, you know, university students are like into their summer jobs. The sun is out sometimes, but it's still rainy sometimes. The flowers are blooming, but they're not all the way there yet. And, you know... There is a sureness that winter is gone. I love Gemini season. So, Gemini is a mutable air sign. And like I just said, when the sun is in Gemini, it's the transition between spring and summer. Sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's not. Mutable signs are said to disperse and transmit things. And in the case of Gemini, it disperses information. And so this is why Gemini is really commonly associated to communication, especially like digital and social communications. So the other mutable signs in the Zodiac are Pisces, Virgo, and Sagittarius. The symbol of Gemini is uh, the twins. The planet that rules Gemini is Mercury. And if you listen to the Mercury episode, you will know that already. And the planet that doesn't love to be hanging out in Gemini is Jupiter. And that's because Jupiter rules the sign that is directly opposite Gemini, Sagittarius. And the image that Demetra George put forth in her book for Gemini is a butterfly. And I think that that is the perfect, perfect image. And I know that I said in the labor part that I thought rainbows were kind of attributed to Mercury and Gemini. But when I read the butterfly thing, I was like, mmm, that is exactly right. The, you know, beauty of becoming a butterfly represents the beauty of the mutable signs, right? A caterpillar will eventually turn into a butterfly, but it needs to do a lot of hard work to get there first. And once the caterpillar has become a butterfly, it's no longer a caterpillar anymore. But the history of what it once was is not necessarily erased. It just is different. Okay, that sounded way more abstract and philosophical than I meant it to be, and it's probably confusing, so I'm just going to move on to things that other people have said so that I'm not, you know, throwing more information at your brains. So the key word for uh, Gemini is, I think. And the key phrase for Gemini is, my need to communicate with and learn from others. Now, you might have heard a lot about Gemini over the last little while, because... Uh, Mars just finished its retrograde period in Gemini. Mars has been in Gemini since August and will be here until March. So, um, you know, if you wanted to get to know Gemini, uh, you can look up at the sky every night and see that reddish looking planet that's hanging up in the sky. That's Mars hanging out in Gemini. According to Chani in her book, You Were Born for This, As an air sign, Gemini, quote, disperses information, connecting to many through intellectually stimulating exchanges that generate new ideas and relationships, end quote. I had so many other things I wanted to say about Gemini. I think that y'all are probably one of the most, like, Geminis get such a bad rep. It is ridiculous. And that might be because there are some very infamous people who have their son in Gemini, notably a former president of the United States, you can draw on the blanks, Um, and notably a rapper who supported said president of the United States that was married to a Kardashian. If you're a Gemini out there or you have Gemini placements, I'm here to say that I see you, I feel you, and I think you're incredible and brilliant and wonderful and don't let the haters hate. Um, And I'm sure Ace in their beautiful writing will correct those stereotypes. My bestest and closest friends are Geminis. I, however, have nothing in Gemini. Let's see what Alice barkley Cat has to say about not being a stereotypical Gemini. And also, I should have said this earlier, but these articles are specifically talking about um, the sun placements of, um, of these signs, but I think that that's actually a really great place to start because I know that that's where a lot of you are coming from. Ace says, quote, Most Geminis are not stereotypically Gemini. They're too caring, too sensitive, and too grounded. There's so much Gemini hate sometimes that the Gemini sons are reluctant to tell people their birthdays, hesitating before putting a disclaimer on their existence. Most people know Geminis to be talkers, but few recognize that Geminis listen twice as much as they talk. Most people know Geminis to be charismatic, but few recognize that charisma is often protection against cruelty. Geminis tend to say the wrong things at the wrong time, not because they're unaware of the dynamics of how people interact, but because they seek to challenge a room that is built on agreement on what we will all take for granted. Put a Gemini in a room of sobbing people, and they will crack a joke. Put them in a comedy club, and they will say something tantalizingly profound. Put them in a job, and you'll find yourselves overthrowing the whole place altogether. People often forget that a Gemini is incredibly interested in what you have to say, that they'll always ask about it, whatever it is. For all their charm and beauty and brightness, a Gemini doesn't have any second thoughts about centering someone else. Gemini is that happy extrovert who sits next to the quiet kids because they believe that everyone has some sort of story to tell. And there are introverted Geminis, the same way that there are outrageously social ones. There are Geminis who are told that they rely too much on books when they are children, and Geminis who prefer to drift off rather than stir up issues, and Geminis who prefer to daydream rather than talk. Many a Gemini are told that they are too smart for their own good. What really distinguishes a Gemini from the crowd is their brilliance. A Gemini is not idea-scarce. A Gemini will always have something to throw back. A Gemini does not always seek accolades for their brilliance in the same way that a more dominant personality might. Gemini is a Mercury-ruled sign, and when you have your sun ruled by Mercury, you are interested in the small things over the big. You notice the subtleties, the unspoken silences, and the questions that go unasked. What people forget about Geminis is that they're almost always champions for the tiny, They are incredibly uninterested in big names, big slogans. Instead, their capacity to predict the future lies in their recognition of sparks that have yet to burn. Pay attention to what invigorates or depletes a Gemini. A Gemini is interested in ideas that have yet to take shape. They are not interested in fully formed things. They understand that their place is not to advocate for the things that everyone else is already looking at, but in their perspective is built on the art of redirection. Yes, Geminis are also shy. They know what it feels like to be talked over, and they understand the pain of being seen as second fiddle. Remember, Gemini is a cadence sign and a sign that in which no planet exalts. They're not here to honor what is already honored like an obedient little child. They're here to ask serious questions. They're here to pull people around a question because they know that community only lives when it is ready to change. End quote. Oof, I love these series so much. I love Ace's writing so much. It's just so beautiful and poetic and simple and easy to grasp. So this brings us to the end of the episode. And before I wrap up, I just want to reiterate. Obviously I have shown you some ways that the air signs are very similar, right? They're social, they're mental, they're communicative and they have a lot of things in common. But as we can also see through the quotes from Ace and the other musings that I gave you guys, there's a lot of differences to these signs, right? And obviously my opinions on these signs are not the be all and end all. And there's probably something that I totally left out that you're like, Jill, why didn't you talk about that? And to that I say, let me know. And I would love to bring it up on a future episode. As always, thank you all so much for your love and feedback and sharing your podcast with your friends and following me on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, if you don't follow me on Instagram on Twitter, you can find me at Radio. And yeah, my DMs are always open if you have a question or a thought or like something that you'd like me to muse on the show. Or if you're like, I'd really like to come and be on the show. Seriously, I am all ears. I still can't believe that this is what I get to do. I am just so grateful for it and so grateful for you all. I hope that you guys all have a wonderful Aquarius season and we'll be back in a couple weeks time with a brand new episode. But in the meantime, take good care of yourself. Keep challenging those stereotypes. Go read some of Ace's beautiful articles on alicebarkleycat.com. From my heart to yours, thank you so much. I love you all. Take such good care of yourselves. I'll see you next time.